I just want to start out by saying how proud I am of you guys. Isn't it just amazing to see um, what God can do through a community of people that will gather together to serve him and serve our community? Amen? It is such an incredible thing. It reminds me of what Jesus spoke over 2,000 years ago about his church, that he was gonna build a church, a community that was gonna literally be unstoppable, that was gonna knock down the gates of hell, bring light into darkness. And I'm telling you something, you guys are doing that. And I am so grateful to be your pastor and to be a part of all of this. And I just can't wait to see what God does next year through this community. So thank you so much for being a part of all of that. And Merry Christmas, everybody. You guys have uh, made it. Those of you in the room, and of course, everyone at our Boynton campus, as always, want to welcome you. And everyone watching at church at home in living rooms and all the airports you're stranded in, we'll be praying for you guys uh, right now watching on your laptops. And it's neat to be like one church that's meeting in all different states, countries, different areas, different rooms uh, all over the world. So thank you so much for being a part of everything that God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I just, I love looking back at the video we just watched and seeing the epic, some of those numbers just blow up, but seeing the epic impact that we have had as a church community. And one of the things I, I love about it is I love that as a church, we don't just sit back and complain how bad the world is. We don't give up and go, all oh, the world's messed up and it's all gonna fall apart if we blame this person or that person. That I love that it's not about blaming or figuring it out. It's that we're actually just step in to the midst of the brokenness, to the midst of the mess and go, hey, we don't know how you got here. We're not here to point fingers, but we are here to lend a hand to help you out. We are here to give you the love of God. We are here to give you the grace of God. We are here to make a difference and to transform your life and to be a community that makes an impact in who you are and who you become and the life that you live. And I love that about the church because in many ways, what you guys don't might understand is, in many ways, that's exactly the first Christmas story. That's what Jesus did, is that Jesus came into this world, by the way, a broken, messed up world to help us out. See, too often what's happened in Christmas, by the way, is we so commercialized it, haven't we? That, that Christmas is all about the movies and, and all that. And listen, I, I love Christmas movies. I watch them all the time. None of them even compare to Elf, by the way. Anybody's favorite Christmas movie? The best. Ever, 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 ever Christmas movie, right? And, and so, but like in every Christmas movie, you notice how it all works out, doesn't it? And right seven seconds where the sun comes up, Santa makes the final delivery of the final present to the child, some remote village, and the sun goes up and they're happy and everyone's happy, right? And all the family comes home. And if you watch a Hallmark movie, you know, every time she says yes, all 4,000 of the same movies. <laughs> Moms, what we do. But what's happened is, isn't it, is that we've kind of created this idea around Christmas that it's just, it's just everything works out and everything is perfect and it's all more. And we do the same thing in the church. In fact, we actually create manger scenes that celebrate the birth of Jesus. And here's what they look like. And here's Jesus. And he's in this soft hay bed. It's really amazing. And angels are right there kind of flapping their wings, keeping him cool, which is kind of nice. And there's a star 
that shines its light just on Jesus. It's really kind of a really awesome thing. And there's some really cool rich dudes here handing gold out. Hey, Mary, Joseph, Jesus is going to a private school. It's gonna be great, right? You're gonna like, you're gonna hook him up. And Mary's got the latest fashion right there. You know, the nicest, you know, whatever it is, robe and a halo around their heads. It's amazing. Every animal perfectly groomed, looking that, you know, great. And, and in many ways, we painted this picture of this is what Christmas is like. But can I tell you the truth? This is not the scene of the birth of Jesus. In fact, one of the things I love about the real Christmas story is it's a lot more real. It's actually a lot more something that we can relate to than this. Because when you actually look at the real Christmas story and you wanna look at a stable in Bethlehem, let me tell you what a stable in Bethlehem looks like. It doesn't look like Chip and Joanne Gaines did this. Here's what they actually look like. It's this. There wasn't those things. No, it was stone. It was basically a damp, wet cave that animals ate in. And by the way, animals didn't just eat in it. They did other things in it. You can explain that to your kids later, right? It was not a pleasant experience. And it was dark, and it was dingy, and it was probably cold. And you know what was interesting about this? Listen to this. Mary wasn't wearing a designer dress. No, because Mary and Joseph, the scriptures say, were actually impoverished. They lived in extreme poverty. But they weren't just living in poverty being giving birth to Jesus in a cave. They were actually slaves of a Roman empire. Not just slaves of the Roman empire, they served under a king named Herod who was an absolute psychopath, murderous king that ruled them as a puppet to the Roman government whose Caesar actually believed he was a son of God. Are you starting to get a glimpse of the world of which Jesus was born? It's a little more real than a Hallmark card, isn't it? It's a little more relatable to the brokenness of this world. They lived in an economy that many scholars believe that between the temple taxes and Rome's taxes, that 60 to 80% of their income was taxed. They lived enslaved. There was racial division where different groups of people wouldn't even communicate to each other. They would not even speak to one another. Slavery was rampant. And you look into the midst of this broken, messed up world, and Jesus stepped up. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the brokenness, and that is the story that he was born, to save and to rescue us. And what's so ironic to me is in the midst of all the broken world and the crazy life and the political climate and all the bad things going on in the world, just down the road, some angels appeared in heaven. And they begin to proclaim to us what Jesus was going to do in the midst of this broken, messed up world. And the message they proclaim is so powerful. And I want us to see it with the right backdrop of the situation of a dark cave and extreme poverty with all the problems and brokenness in the world. The angels came forward and said, let me tell you what Jesus is gonna do. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, and here's the word for today, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What a strange word to use in the midst of the chaos of the world of Jesus' birth. Like of all the words to use that Jesus is going to bring, peace? Like, do you not understand what's going on in Rome? Do you understand what's happening with Herod and what he's gonna do and all the problems? Do you understand the taxation? Do you understand the oppression going on? Do you understand the inflation? Like, do you understand the world that we're living in? And what's fascinating to me is the angel goes, Jesus has come to bring peace. But here's what I think we miss. And here's what I want us to see. And for me, here's such good news that I wanna encourage you with. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, or the angels don't say that Jesus is gonna bring peace to the world. No, the world's broken. When he comes back a second time, he'll bring peace to the world. 
but not now. Who does Jesus bring peace to? To those on whom his favor rests. He came to give peace to God's children. Now here's why this is so important. Because one of the things I love about the Christmas story, and I want you to get this, is this, is that Jesus did not come to bring peace to a broken world. Jesus came to give peace to you in the midst of a broken world. And the reason why I love this so much is it's relatable to you and me. Because what he's saying is, hey, in the midst of what's going on financially in this world, in the midst of what's happening with your marriage, in the midst of what's going on with your child that's kind of wandering away, in the midst of what's going on with the work situation, which you don't really understand, in the midst of what's going on in the pandemic, and then the variant, and the 87th variant, and all the things that's going on, in the midst of all the things that's going on in the world, I have come to bring peace, not to the world but to give you the ability to walk in peace in the midst of the broken, uncertain world. Amen? And so, well, and so today what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you a little bit about peace. I wanna talk to you about the peace that God wants to give you to experience in this life. But before we do this, it gets even better. Because one of the things you need to understand is when the angel made this proclamation over 2,000 years ago of what Jesus came to do in your life, he actually didn't use the word peace. You know what word he used? He would have used the word, I want you to hear this, shalom. And the reason why shalom is so important, why I'm saying this, is because sometimes when you translate words from the original language to our language, it loses some of its depth and meaning. And so when you understand the word shalom, which we translate as peace, all of a sudden, what the angel declares Jesus wants to do in your life becomes so much powerful. Because the word shalom, the angel would have spoken. Let me show you the depth of what Jesus wants to do in your heart and in your life. For shalom means this, it means peace, but it means more than peace, it means harmony. Meaning, it's not that we just don't hate each other, it's actually we're okay with each other. It means wholeness and completeness. Meaning no matter what that person did to break you, no matter what that person did to scar you, no matter what your past brought in, all the struggles in your life, that what Jesus came to do is to help take broken people and make them whole. And complete. It means prosperity to help you meet your needs. It means welfare. And I love the last one. We could use this one, right? Tranquility of mind. It's a rest. It's the ability to walk through this life with everything going on and be fully present in the moment. And the angel over 2,000 years ago said, hey guys, I want you to know something. Jesus hasn't come to bring peace to the world, but he's come to give you peace in the midst of the broken world. And years later, as Jesus was in his ministry, he would once again bring up peace and once again remind us that he has come to give us this incredible supernatural ability to walk and live in peace despite what's going on. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus speaking says this in John 14, 27. Jesus speaks, he goes, peace, shalom, I leave with you. Hey, even though I'm not here, you can walk in my peace. And listen to this, the next part this is important. My peace I give you. In other words, Jesus is like, I am, if you will, the Prince of Peace. The peace is connected to me as the person, as the Son of God. And I am going to give you this peace to live with. And I love the last part. And I'm not gonna give it to you as the world does. It's not about your circumstances, right? Most of us think what? Hey, I'll be at peace when fill in the blank. I'll be at peace when, no. Jesus, let me tell you, the peace that I'm going to give you is bigger than circumstances. It's bigger than the government. It's bigger than uncertain future. It's bigger than all of these things. And I am going to leave you this ability to walk through this crazy uncertain world and to walk in the shalom of God.
can I be honest with you right now? Do you know what I think is one of the biggest um, things that we need as people in America more than anything else? Because you know, we, we have money, we have homes, we have cars with air conditioners, we have, we, have, we have swimming pools and beaches, we have all these things. You know the one thing I think we lack? Peace. That, that we are a people, it's the most prescribed medication by doctors in our entire nation is that, is pills that can produce peace. Why? Because we have everything in the world, but we aren't experiencing the shalom of God. And 2,000 years ago, an angel spoke to a group of impoverished slaves under a corrupt government with everything going wrong around them and says, let me tell you something. You have the ability through Jesus to experience and to walk in this world in shalom, no matter what happens in Rome or what happens in Israel or what happens all around you. You have the ability to have a peace that surpasses understanding. And so today what I want to do is I want to teach you, I want to share with you three different areas that Jesus wants to bring you peace. And this is so important because every one of us need peace in this situation. And here are the three areas that we are going to talk about. The first is this. He wants to give you peace from your past. Secondly, he wants to give you peace in your present, like right now. And the last one is he wants to give peace for your future. So I want to start out now. Peace from our past. Now, why do we need peace from our past? Let me just ask you a question. How many of you have ever done something you, are, you regret or are ashamed of? Yeah, the rest of you weren't listening. <laughs> and some of you are gonna like, I wanna raise two hands. It's, I know some of you should raise two hands and a leg because I know exactly what some of you have done, right? right? So every one of us have messed up, right? We have a past that we can't go back and change, can't we? We did those things. And, and for, imagine for a moment, just think about this for a moment. This helps me process this when it comes to your past. Imagine if I were just to pick randomly one of you and I had this supernatural gift to actually like plug a video camera or, or a projector into your brain and on this screen right here broadcast the very worst things you've ever done in your life. How many of you would feel really, really uncomfortable? Yeah, a lot of you would feel really, really uncomfortable, including myself right there, especially if my kids. My dad's here. He knows a lot of it too much right there in the front row. He's looking at me seriously like, I know, I can tell the story. But here's the reality, isn't it? See, I can hide it from you and you can hide it from me, but you can't hide it from God, can you? He knows it. And, and, and actually, not only that, not only you cannot just hide it from God, you can't hide it from yourself, can you? And too many of us are walking in this world and we look in the mirror and you know what we see? We define ourselves by our worst moments, don't we? We see what we did and we can't believe it and we live with shame and we live with guilt and we live with regrets and so many are walking through our life going, I wish I never, I swore I'd never do it again, but I did it. And you're living with this guilt and the shame. In the Bible, it says this, that everyone has fallen, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like none of, everyone, no matter whose head we connected to is short of the screen, there's not a person in this room, not even grandma, by the way, who wouldn't go, oh, I messed up. And our sins separate us from God. Listen to this. So our past is an issue. We can't go back and undo it. We can't make it right. We're not good enough. And this is the beauty of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just come to be born in a manger and give us some wise teaching. Jesus actually was born to go to a cross. To sacrifice himself 
to pay the price for your and I's past sin so we can be made right with God. And we can never forget that in the Christmas season. We see the precious baby and all the wise men to understand that he was going to live his life. He was going to go to a cross and go, Father, I will pay for all of their sins. And everyone who places their faith in me will be forgiven for everything they've done and made right with God. So why? So we can, make, we can have peace with God with our past. In fact, look at the scripture. I want you to see this. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, I want you to see this. We have what? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. How awesome is it that we don't have to make it right? Like, we don't have to go back and go, God, okay, I messed up. And look, here's college years. Woo, that's a long list. All right, here we go. Here's all the mistakes I made. All right, I gotta help 4,500 old people across the street in Florida, which should take about a day here. There's tons of them. Um, <laughs> Right? I, I got to give this much money. I got to serve this many communities. Like, I love what he's saying here. Hey, you don't have to go back and undo your past. You don't have to go back if you will make it right. Because Jesus did that for you. He shed his blood on a cross to make up for everything you've done. So why? So that you can be at peace with God. with your past. You can be made right, not because of what you've done, because of what Jesus has done. And let me tell you, when you give your life to Jesus, when you get to that point, and we'll give you a chance at the end of the service, and you begin to realize, okay, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and you died for me. I choose to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In that moment, I love this, you're made right with God. You have peace from your past. And I love what happens next, because, because of our faith, not our works, Christ has, has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And I love it. It's not just forgiveness, guys. He adopts you as his child. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We get to stand and go, God, you're not just God, creator, you're dad. And not just that, this is, and we, are, we, 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 we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in one day God's glory. And I love this because Jesus came in and says, these guys can't get it right, but they don't have to. I'm going to get it right for them. And I'm going to shed my life to pay for the forgiveness of their sins. And anyone who calls on my name, anyone who goes, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior, I will forgive them. I will cleanse them. I will adopt them. They will become children of God. And they are at peace with God from their past. Listen to me. Some of you are still walking, you've given your life to Jesus and you're still looking in the mirror and seeing your worst moments. You're still defining yourself by that who you used to be and you're not seeing yourself as God sees you because today I want you to know the good news of Christmas is, is that you have been made right in the sight of God. He no longer sees it. In fact, let me give you some verses you can write down. I wanna help you because I know too many people are walking around feeling guilt and shame. And I love this. If we will confess our sins to him, those of us that have already surrendered and been forgiven, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but not just forgive us, what's this? And cleanse us from all, everything, all the wickedness, everything we've done wrong. And I love that because when God sees you, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see that worst moment of your life. He doesn't just see the struggles and weakness. You've been cleansed from all of it because Jesus made peace with God of your past. Last but not least is this. Um, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's my heart for you guys. See, Christmas wasn't just about his birth. It was about Jesus' death because Jesus has done everything he can for you 
to make you right with God, to get rid of guilt and shame and actually make you a brand new creation so that when God sees you, he changes your identity. You're no longer looked at as a sinner, but the Bible calls you a saint. You're no longer simply God's creation. You're actually God's child. And Jesus had to make peace with your past with God on the cross to make it happen. And so the first thing we celebrate this Christmas is, is that Jesus is the key. He's the only one that died for you. And he's the only one that can make peace with your past. Now, the second thing that Jesus does is that Jesus actually can help give you peace in the present. Here's why this is great. This is right now. And I love this because we're not just talking about a spiritual peace connected to what we've done. We're talking about peace right now in the midst of the holiday season, in the midst of your in-laws moving in for weeks on weeks on weeks. Some awkward laughter because they're sitting next to you. I know, I get that. I feel your pain. And I want you to see this because it's so important. It's because I feel like this is such a massive struggle is that so many of us, if you we were honest right now, we're not even enjoying this season because we're so stressed out about all the things that are going on in this world. And Jesus has come to give you shalom and peace, listen to this, in the present. Listen, how many of us, be honest, how many of you have more demands on your time than you have time? Anybody here? Yeah. How many of you, when you look at the future and all the things you have to do going, I'm not enough to do it on my own, anybody? You see, see the principle? That, that, that when it comes to our world, so often do we walk through this life and we don't even enjoy the present because our mind is so racing on all the things that we have to do. And here's what I love about this. One day, Jesus walked into a group of an audience like this that was just like you. They're stressed out. They're so busy. There's so many things on their mind. And they're not experiencing the peace that the angels has come to say, that Jesus came to say for them to experience. And I love because not only does he correct them, he gives them the solution to walk in the peace in the presence. And here's where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 6. And, and here's what it is. Ready? He, Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Notice that's a command. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. And I love what he says. For is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I love what Jesus is saying. He's, Guys, I'm, I'm speaking to you. But because I can see your heart, what I know is that you're not even really here because your mind is somewhere else. Some of you are like, that's me right now. Because you're so stressed out and you're so busy. And I love what Jesus says. Here's why. is because you're running after things that don't really matter. You're prioritizing things in life that don't matter. You're so busy running and getting everything ready to go. And I've got a list. The to-do list is driving your life. And then what's happened is you have literally prioritized all of these lists. The problem is, is that so many things on this list, they're not going to bring you joy. They're not going to bring you peace. And they're robbing you and disconnecting you from God. In other words, I just want to say this to some of you. Some of you right now, can I tell you something? Um, your family doesn't really care if your house is perfect. Just saying, I'm gonna block out all the moms staring me down right now and upset with me. Men, you can thank me later. Best Buy gift cards are great. Your kids don't care if the, the, the presents um, wrap perfectly in all the wall and wallpaper, the wrapping paper matches. They care what's in the wrapping the paper. They just don't, they don't care. Instagram is probably gonna survive without the picture of your entire family in matching pajamas. Dads, if you're number two sales instead of number one, you're, you're gonna be okay. 
you know, I, I, listen, you're gonna survive without that latest purse. You, you do need the latest TV, though. Have you seen the new AK TV? That's a different story. They're, they're watching football. That's different. And I, and I love the heart of Jesus. I want you to hear this. He goes, guys, what's happening in your life is that you're so busy driving, doing all this craziness that what's happening is it's robbing you of your pace, is robbing you of peace. But the problem is, is that you're prioritizing all these things, food, clothes. It's, your, your soul is so much more important than that. Can you hear me? Some of you need to hear this going in the next couple days. Please, please, please. You need to understand how important it is. In fact, I love what Jesus says next. He goes, guys, you're so busy, you're missing it. And he goes, I want you to look at the birds of the air. They're not sowing and, and reaping and storing. They're not running as crazy as you are. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. God developed a system to help them survive. And then I love what Jesus does next. It's so important to experience peace. He says this, are you not much more valuable than they. I love the compassion of Jesus. These guys, guys, if you only knew how much your dad loved you, if, if, if you only knew that he knows the hairs on your head, if you only actually knew that he sent me from heaven to give my life so that you could be adopted as his son and his daughter, if you only knew the future he had for you, if you only knew that he was so engaged and he knows everything that you're walking through, he knows the problem you're dealing with financially, he understands what's going on at work, he knows what's going on with, with that child that's kind of walking away, he knows what's going on with that anxiety and depression you're battling. Like, I want you to know something. You don't realize, you're so running after everything and you're going, because you don't really understand how involved God is in your life and the peace you could live with. And then he continues. And he says, can, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And I love this phrase, for the pagans, and a pagan was someone that did not have a relationship with God. For the people that don't have a relationship with God, run after all these things. Notice the pace, the running, I gotta, I gotta get this, I gotta get this done. And I love how he ends it. Oh, and by the way, guys, your heavenly Father, see the personal knows, he's already aware, that you need them. I, I love this heart. He goes, guys, let me tell you what's happening. I'm speaking to a bunch of people that have a relationship with God, but they're living like pagans. What does that mean? Is that they're living their life and they're running their life and they're stressed out as if they did not have an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-lovingly father that was actually engaged in their life. Do you hear the heart of Jesus? You're so stressed out and you're running like crazy because you're living like someone who doesn't have a dad that knows everything and controls all things and is all powerful and owns a cattle on a thousand hills that actually wants to be engaged in your life. And if you only knew, if you only knew, you would live life at a different pace. You would prioritize different things. Because what you don't realize is your pace and priorities have cost you the shalom that I have come to bring you. And I love the solution Jesus gives in the end. This is the key. If you get anything from this message, you wanna experience peace in your, in your past, present, and future, here's, here's the key. Here's what Jesus says. Guys, let me tell you the solution to all the anxiety. Here it is. You need to seek, I would say this, prioritize first what God's kingdom and his righteousness you need to seek a relationship with God, with Jesus, and you need to do and follow the wisdom of God. And I love what the promise is. And if you will do that, then all these things you're worried about and stress, all these things will be given to you as well. 
And then I love the promise. Therefore, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. You don't, have to, you don't have to stay up all night. You don't have to get all that list done. For tomorrow, worry about itself. And each day has enough trouble on its own. And I love what Jesus says here. Because here's what he says. You, you know why you're not experiencing peace? Let me tell you why. It's your priorities. Is that, that your, your peace is actually a result of your priorities or lack of peace. And because you're so busy, caught up, running after all the things in the world. By the way, I know we got to work hard. Nothing wrong with those things. But when those things take precedence over your relationship with God, and you're so busy, and you're so focused, and you got to get everything perfect in your life, and you just got to get more and more and more and more, and all of a sudden, this time with God, this, this, this time with prayer and worship and church and community, like when it gets pushed to the side, he goes, we don't do it. It's, it's actually costing your peace. And if you want to experience the shalom of God, you've got to prioritize time with God because peace is a result of that. Can I tell you, listen, guys, some of you are praying for peace and God's like, I'm not going to give it to you because, because see, prioritizing time with God doesn't mean Christmas and Easter. Sorry, I had to say it. Somebody got convicted in here. We'll see you at Easter. It's fine. Okay, I love you still. But I want you to hear the heart. See what he's saying? You gotta seek him first in order to experience it. In fact, I love this verse. I love this promise that God gives us. Here, I want you to hold on. If you, if you find yourself anxious, here's the promise God gives you. That you will keep in perfect peace. This is God. All, that would be you, who trust in you. Remember that seeking is surrendering. All whose thoughts, what's that word right here? Fixed on you. In other words, peace is the result of prioritizing time with God. You can have peace in the present, but you cannot have that peace without spending time with God. I, um, uh, I, I, one of the things I love about this church, one of the things we try to build in the values, we love to be real, we love to be authentic. Authenticity is one of those things. And I gotta be real about this one because I gotta tell you something, that this is not something I always get right. That sometimes there are moments, this is me, where I, I'm, in the, I'm so busy with life that, that I'm not walking and experiencing the peace that Jesus has for me. In fact, recently this, this was, I went through a season of my life like this and I, I walked through some health issues and I had some close family members that had some really serious health issues and you know, the world's kind of going crazy and there were some financial disruptions that went on that were kind of tough and there just was so many things walking through and I got, I, my kids are in that phase from that sweet, you know, just angels, little kids to teenagers, pray for me, you know? And so there's this just part of me that I could be real as I'm looking at life and all the things going on, I'm like, I, I, I miss the way it was and it's, and it's not going back and how do I, how do I deal with all this? And I got to be real. I was walking around with this sense of just that edge. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you don't walk with the peace of God, there's an edge. Your, your fuse is just a little bit shorter, isn't it? You, you, it's harder to get to sleep because your mind is right. It's harder to be fully present and enjoy the moment because your mind is somewhere else. And that was me. And I knew that as I looked at my life and went, wait a minute, I, isn't it interesting that all these feelings that I'm feeling are connected to the fact that I've been so busy lately. You know what I've neglected? I've neglected spending time with God in the same way. And I realized, well, the solution is, well, if peace is connected to Jesus, I've got to get reconnected to God more. And I remember starting to go, I'm going to go to bed earlier, less TV. I'm going to wake up an hour early before everyone else. I'm going to open up God's word. I'm going to start worshiping more. I'm going to start reading the scriptures more. And what was interesting is I began to adjust the priorities of my life. You know what was interesting? My circumstances didn't change, but the peace of God reigned in my heart and my life. 
And what I'm trying to tell some of you right now is I know so much you desperately need it, that Jesus can give you the peace, but you are going to have to prioritize time with him. You're gonna have to seek him first in your life. You have to surrender some decisions in your life. And if you will do that, Jesus can give you peace from your past right on the cross. He can give you peace in your presence because he is with you. And last but not least, he can actually give you peace for your future. See, let's be real. After the last two years, how many of you are like very confident about the future? <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, isn't it just like 2020? Man, thank God 2020 is over. Can't get worse than that. 2021, thank you very much. Hold my, I can't say that, it's church. So get. <laughs> and it's a little bit crazy right now in this world. And so isn't it easy to kind of look at this life and just go, man, I, it's hard to enjoy now because I'm so worried about what could happen in the future. And I love this moment where Jesus addresses this because he walks up to the disciples and, and to this point, everything's been going great with them. Jesus is a hero. Like when you, when you can walk on water and turn water into wine, you're invited to every party, just so you know. Like, and everyone loved them and kings are like, Jesus, will you just come do your little thing? And, and people, he's healing people and there's crowds of people. Like, you just wanna be around Jesus and the disciples and mom and dad, every Hanukkah card, my son's a disciple of Jesus and everyone loves it. And it's great to be with Jesus. And then one day Jesus walks up to his disciples and goes, hey guys, I, it's been fun, <laughs> but it's, it's about not to be fun. Because you see, I'm not just gonna do all the miracles anymore and I'm not here just for party tricks. I'm actually gonna convict the world of sin. And I'm gonna tell everybody who I am and that's not just a prophet, it's the son of God and the savior of the world. And I wanna tell you something, when I do this, the popularity is gonna go away. And, and, and you know the temples they invite us into, they're gonna cast me out, but they're not just gonna cast me out, they're gonna cast you out. Oh, and by the way, they're not just gonna not like you, they're gonna hate you and they're gonna hate me. They're gonna throw you in prison. Mom and dad are gonna take what you do off the Hanukkah cards. You, you're, you're gonna be ostracized and made fun of, and the world is about to change. And he tells them all of these things about what's going on and the uncertainty and the brokenness in their future. And then he says, why? And I want you to see what he says, because I want you to understand how important, how peace is not connected to circumstances, it's bigger. And listen to what Jesus says, is that's this. I have told you these things, so you can get on Prozac, no. <laughs> I have told you these things, listen to this. I don't know where that came from, there we go. <laughs> I have told you these things, all the things going on, here's why, I want you to hear this. So that in me, in your relationship with me, you may have, what's that word? Wait, 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 why, why? Jesus, you told us all the things that are broken so we could be at peace? Do you see how that doesn't make sense? And he, listen to what he says next. In this world, you're gonna have trouble. In other words, I, I'm telling you these things so when they happen, you understand something. And here's what Jesus ends it with. Here's, here's this. But I want you to take heart, get strength. Here's why. I'm, I'm overcoming the world. I'm bigger than all of it. And, and I just... I love the realness of what Jesus says because what he's not saying is, hey, everything's gonna be great in 2022. No, you know, you know, political parties rise and fall. Pandemics come and then they get 88,000 variants and then eventually one day they leave, who knows? Economies go up and down, stock markets rise and they fall. But Jesus, I want you to understand something. I told you these things, so when everything happens, you understood one thing, that I already lived in the future, I already know it, and I'm in complete control. 
In fact, one day he walked up to them and go, see that temple over there? You know, the one that everyone marvels on and it's wow. Everybody comes from miles around to see it. And all of the stones are inlaid with gold. The people come to worship my father there. You know that temple? Because let me tell you something. Every single stone is going to be torn apart in that temple. And in 70 AD, Rome comes in and does it. The disciples went, wow, Jesus, you already knew. It seemed like you weren't in control, but you already were there. He went to Peter one time. Hey, Peter, guess what? I want to tell you something. Um, yeah, you're going to fail royally. It's going to be really, really bad, Peter. Like publicly in front of everyone, you're going to deny me three times. And then this rooster's going to crow. And then you're going to call, you're going to curse, like right. And then you're going to curse me. And you're going to look. And I'm going to like look at you in the eye. And you're going to be really bad. You're going to run away crying. It's going to be awful. And then for thousands of years, you're going to tell the story of your failure publicly to millions of people. But Peter, when you fail after it, I want you to get back up. And I want you to go do what God created you to do. I believe in you even though you messed up. And here's why I say this. What do you, in other words, Jesus didn't know just the future of the world. He knew his future. And what was Jesus doing? Why was he saying, I told you all these things so that you could have peace? Because what he's saying is not that the world is gonna be perfect, not that there's not gonna be problems. Oh, there's gonna be problems. Look at our world. Like, what he's saying is that even in the middle of that, I will be with you and I'm in control and I still sit on a throne and your peace isn't dependent upon a circumstance. And no matter what you walk through, I will be with you because Jesus came to give you peace from your past, peace in your present and peace for your future. In fact, I love this statement. If we could understand, describe peace, here it would be. The peace is not about a perfect past. If it was, none of you would have it. It's not about a problem to be present or we wouldn't have it. And it certainly is about a certain future because once again, then none of us would have it. Here's the peace, the shalom that Jesus promises you. See, peace is connected to God's grace for your past, what Jesus did on the cross. God's presence in your present, no matter what's going on. And God's control of your future because it's personal and he knows the hairs on your head and he's in control of your future. Have you ever stopped to think that the peace you're craving in your life is actually a person named Jesus. That he has come to give you peace. And you can't find that peace anywhere or with anyone else. In fact, the Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. You know why? Because the Prince of Peace means he has authority over it. He has authority over your past because he paid for your sins on the cross. He has authority in your present because you know what? He is with you and he is working to provide for you. And he has authority over your future because he's in control of not just your future, but the entirety of the world's future. And sometimes what I think we need to realize is that our peace only comes through our connection to him. That, that we need to understand how powerful and important that is. So you remind me, and I want to close with this, of my sons. I have, um, I've got two little guys um, and a furry one too, Rocket. But my wife, Raquel, this is my youngest, Tommy, and this is my oldest, Scotty, and this is obviously me. And my youngest son, Tommy, is um, afraid of the dark. I don't know if you've ever been there. And he's especially afraid of the dark because next to his bed, as I opened up the closet recently, and we went upstairs in the attic to get his Christmas decorations, and he looked at the attic. He's like, nope, I want to move. <laughs> and you know what's interesting to me is that, um, you know the only time he's not afraid of the dark? When I'm with him. And so usually at nighttime, it's like bedtime, Dad, Dad, can you cuddle? I'm like, of, you know, absolutely, of course, of course. But he doesn't want to really cuddle. He just doesn't want to be in the dark alone. 
And I was thinking about this because I'm like, you know what, but Tommy, listen, like I'm right down the hall. Like no one is going to get to you without getting through me. Like my, I'm, I'm there, I'm protecting you. I make sure every door is locked. I am already in your life. But you know what I realize? That he doesn't really feel that peace unless he is connected to the person that brings him peace. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us. That peace is not an emotion, it's not a circuit, he's a person. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he has come to give you that peace. But you cannot have the shalom of God without being connected to him. Our last verse, and here we close. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He's in control of the future. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. What wisdom and comfort he can bring you. Mighty God, he is a pretty big deal. Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Dear me, Father, I thank you so much for your shalom. Jesus, I know there are so many people in here that need your peace. May they draw near to you to experience it. May they trust their future to you. May they learn to prioritize time with you in their present to you experience it. And Jesus, if there's anyone here in this room or watching a church at home in our overflow or wherever they might be in our Boynton campus that has never surrendered their life to make Jesus their Lord and their Savior, and therefore their past is not at peace with God, they've not been forgiven. God, I pray that you would have them do that right now. In Jesus' name we pray.